0: What is your stuff costing you? It's a new episode of Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. Welcome inside the Yellow Studio. My name is Randy Kentra, your host here. You'll find the website and all the previous episodes. Okay, not all of them, but a lot of them. Over at the website, LeaningTowardWisdom.com Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit That's the tagline here and that's really what it's all about. We're trying to lean more heavily toward wisdom and lean away from our own foolishness. (music) Matt Diavilla is a minimalist. He is also a photographer and a filmmaker. He directed a documentary. I'm going to embed it in the show notes for today's show over at my website, leaningtowardwisdom.com. Minimalism, and this documentary features the minimalists. They are described in Wikipedia as the minimalists are American authors, podcasters, filmmakers, and public speakers. Joshua Fields Milburn, and Ryan Nicodemus, who promote a minimalist lifestyle. My first exposure to this notion of minimalism was reading a blog by Leo Babauta over at Zen Habits. I was reading his stuff not because he was talking about minimalism, because he wasn't. He was talking about productivity. He was this freelance writer. As I recall, he was living in Guam at the time. I think he's in San Francisco now, uh, his had wife had five, maybe six kids and life did not seem all that ideal. Uh, he was a little bit overweight. He was a smoker. He began to question his lifestyle, including all of the aforementioned vices. And he began to shift his content because I was reading him. It was just, it was productivity stuff. And it was really, it was really good. And I, I just, I enjoyed the way he wrote and he shifted his content, uh, partly into taking better care of himself. And at some point that included reducing the clutter in his life, the stuff that just didn't seem any longer to make sense prior to his writing about it. I'd never heard the term minimalism. These lifelong best friends, the minimalist, they took the lifestyle to a whole new level with their content. And somewhere along the way entered uh, a guy named Joshua Becker. Uh, he writes on a website on becoming minimalist and then Matt, Matt, the filmmaker photographer who directed this documentary, he came along. I have followed all of these folks from their beginnings, even though I wasn't adhering to this lifestyle that they were evangelizing. There was something about it that was kind of calling me, and it resonated with me. And this all goes back to at least 2010. (laughs) So here we are in 2023. I've clearly wasted a whole bunch of time. Yeah, Come on, you know, life gets in the way for all of us that's no excuse. I'm just stating a fact. Part of this movement is steeped in revolution. It seems to me that it is a revolution against consumerism. It's a bit of a revolution against sales and marketing, against consumption, and and perhaps at some level, capitalism itself. But as a guy who has followed this movement since the beginning, it mostly seems to me that it is steeped in questioning what do I value? What do I value most? And that's why I continue to follow it more closely than probably any other thing I have followed in the past decade. Okay. Guitar playing. I, f- I follow that pretty closely. I'm not coming from a place of s- sustainability. Now there's nothing against all this. So don't write me nasty emails, but my It doesn't resonate with me because of that. It doesn't resonate with me because of sustainability or being green or being eco-friendly or reducing our carbon footprint or some other viewpoint that is focused on a doomsday perspective because, well, I don't share a doomsday perspective. And while I believe, yes, we want to be good stewards of the planet, God's in control. So there's that. There's not going to be some natural apocalyptic event the world's going to stop when God wants the world to stop. Uh, this documentary about minimalism it shows two friends, these fellows who dubbed themselves the minimalist, and they came to this lifestyle through their own independent, separate journeys. And yet, their journeys are, as you, if you watch the documentary, you will see that even though they took their individual journeys and then kind of came together to pursue this mission, their paths are pretty congruent success, pursuing bigger money, more things, bigger jobs, uh, some broken relationships, some hard times growing up short-term pleasure that, you know, it only seemed to result in longer term pain or, or some void. And they both share that I've personally found the principles that are especially espoused by all of these creators, all of these purveyors of minimalism. I have found much of what they preach and the principles that are at the heart of it all to be based on a pursuit that is very much like mine here at leaning toward wisdom. Albeit they have achieved tremendous success and I have not. (laughs) And you can tell that I'm, horribly choked up about it, Uh, growth, improvement, figuring it out, doing it better, wiser. And that's why you find all of them talking about things like living with less, eliminating debt, you know, ditching the clutter, contentment, going small, enjoying more freedom, deepening relationships, refusing to be slaves to things and, and on and on and on it goes. Things that I think many of us crave, And I, their message does not resonate with everybody. I I know this. There, there are those hedonistic folks among us that just more, 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 but I've watched this movement grow exponentially in the past 10 to 15 years. And it is not lost on me as pointed out in this documentary. That is about the same time that we were, trying to come out of that 2008 crash, that's when this really began to take big movement forward because a lot of folks were just absolutely decimated by that financial disaster. I'm rather certain that event had something to do with the discontentment of many, 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 many many people, and it was compelling, I think, the universal question worldwide, what are we doing? what are we doing? Questions are good. I mean, questions are great. Questioning ourselves is wise. Okay. To be more accurate, answering the questions that we ask of ourselves is wise. You know, you commonly, you will hear people say, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? The funny thing is how rarely if you stop and you wait, most people don't ever give an answer to that. They just rhetorically pose the question. I'm the guy who, Hey, everybody shut up and let's let them answer. What is the worst thing that can happen? Because that's where the profit is. The profits not just in the asking of the question, it's in giving an answer. What are we buying? Why are we buying it? Uh, There are many other worthwhile questions as it relates to this whole notion of minimalism. Do we need it? I've talked before about one of the questions for me is what's the utility of it. It's one of the barometers for me of how useful is this thing? Can we do without it? Can I do without it? And if we forego buying it, what are we really going to be missing? If anything, it's why I've done a few episodes since buying, you know, a new house and making two moves simultaneously and kind of juggling these two living locations. And we have experienced greater spending. I, I think than ever before, this is an unprecedented experience for us because We've never done anything like this before and tap the brakes before you go. Oh, you know, you're just on a spending spree. We've never been on a spending spree. I wouldn't describe this as a spending spree. It's just, there have been costs associated with this because of the uniqueness of this situation, but it is a moment in time. It's why I've talked before in previous episodes about it, not becoming a habit. For us, this is a moment in time. This is an unprecedented experience for us, an unprecedented moment in time. The spending has not been impulsive or frivolous. And the overwhelming majority of the expenditures have been things that are either necessary, uh, will enhance life, enhance enjoyment, and, not or, but and, last for years. If you go back to previous episodes, you can... Hear me talk probably ad nauseum about all that. And it speaks to how far from embracing minimalism we are maybe. But I never did claim that I was going to convert to this minimalism lifestyle. That's why some years ago I termed my yearning to declutter, my yearning to simplify my life as practical minimalism. Now, I know that's subjective, but I also know people understand it. And I I completely Get that what may be practical for me might be impractical for you. But I think I'm I'm talking in real general terms that are probably broadly applicable. Uh, my practical minimalism is not what Mark Cuban would deem as practical minimalism. But you're not Mark Cuban, and I'm not either. You know, it's just a focus on less stuff while putting pressure on purchases to fulfill some purpose, hopefully, other than I just want that. I had to look it up because I shopaholic was not in our vernacular forever. The term shopaholic taken as a morph from alcoholic shopaholic entered the language in written form in 1983. And it means a person who's addicted to shopping. The implication is that people chase feeling better by Buying stuff, not just by shopping without buying, but by shopping and doing some buying. The minimalism movement has a very heavy focus on stuff and possessions. And it has many underlying focuses that deal with our mental state, our emotions, our philosophies, our worldview, what drives us, and a whole lot more. But at the heart of it, minimalism is about managing our stuff. Along the way, it attempts to answer the question of fulfillment and purpose. And minimalism does that through espousing the notion that our stuff doesn't define us, that the quest for more that won't fill you up here, here, no disagreement from me. I need to insert here. I'm a Christian. And so much of what this movement chases I found a long, long time ago, purpose and priority. I don't look to minimalism for those. Those are settled for me, purpose and priority to honor God by submitting to his authority. You won't hear that in the minimalistic movement. I've never heard it, and I have followed this crowd from the beginning. The minimalism movement won't talk about, doesn't talk about God. The truth is, many of them are self-described Stoics. I'll put a link if you're curious about Stoicism. I will. I can sum it up. This is a, a broad, broad, broad brush, but it's completely accurate. Be your own God. No, I'm, I'm very opposed to the whole Stoicism movement. But I'm not opposed to the minimalism movement. Because as a Christian, it's completely congruent. I know that stuff isn't where my priorities should be. The Bible clearly teaches that the pursuit of temporary things is vanity, while the pursuit of spiritual things or eternal things is wisdom. And because I've only experienced this realm, I've only been a human. I am both physical and spiritual, and so are you, because we all have a soul. But this is the first experience. This is not the last experience. And so because my life so far has only experienced this realm so far, I necessarily have to rely on God who is eternal and who is the supreme spirit for guidance. The Bible tells us that he is a spirit and our worship to him must be in truth and in spirit. Now, I'm painfully aware that people don't think there's any truth, much less that the Bible is that truth. But the scripture itself declares itself to be true. And so when this whole minimalism movement waxes philosophical as they are wont to do mostly about purpose and why we're here and why we exist and how we exist that part of it i'm out i'm out because those questions have been answered for me by the creator of the universe god jehovah i don't need to listen to some folks who preach a message of how we don't need to clutter up our lives with more stuff to fill up whatever void might exist in our life that part of it I've got answered. It's that practical part of, okay, I'm looking around. I got, I just got too much stuff and a big focus is the void. And I think it's a completely valid point of conversation, the void. I don't doubt the void for a second. Everybody fills F E E L S everybody fills the void. And everybody fills F I L L S everybody fills the void billions of people, I don't doubt my own capacity to fill the void, F I L L to fill the void with something that probably is not wise. All of us have a capacity for foolishness because selfishness can overtake any of us and often does. Okay. Sometimes it does. Maybe a whole lot of the time selfishness overtakes us. Maybe for some of us, selfishness rules our life. It's how we operate. Hopefully we don't do that. And a big part of the void, it seems to me, is a goal. It's missing. It's missing in people who aimlessly roam. It's missing in people who are pursuing minimalism to fill the void because they don't have a sense of purpose. They don't have a goal. And now the goal is not necessarily toward something, but it's away from something. It's There's a big difference in running from something and running to something. And mostly in my experience, we need to do both, but to run away from possessions toward what simplicity. Okay. And for what end the, the goal, what's, what's the point of it all? No goal, no mission. It's a recipe for a wasted life. I don't care if you're a minimalist. I don't care if you've got every possession that you, your heart could desire. No goal, no mission, wasted life. Too many people are driven by their circumstances. Too many of us look around and it's, well, we would be something very different. We would be something much better if it weren't for this, that, or the other. When we acquiesce our outcome, things go south. And in my experience in watching people and even in my own life, when we acquiesce our outcome, things go south quickly and they keep going south. But come on, like so many topics, there are complexities to the void. I propose as a Christian that God is the primary fulfillment of that void because, well, he created us. He knows. Not only does he know, he knows best. Now, that doesn't mean that we go about our daily lives, Bible in hand, condemning the world. It means that we are a light. It means that we lead by example in our daily lives. We do that with our integrity. We do that by doing the right thing, by treating others well, by serving, by loving each other. That's the path forward. We don't do it by living perfect lives because we aren't, but we do it by repentance. We do it by changing. We do it by making mistakes and failing and then correcting those mistakes and doing our dead-level best to not repeat them. That's how we fill the void. Now, on top of that, then come all the little details of our life. What are we going to do to earn a living? What are we going to do with our time? How are we going to choose to pursue accomplishing things? Whatever those things may be, who are we going to choose to surround us? Countless other things come into play that constitute our lives. And most, if not all of those things are very individual and for Christians stay congruent. Can we stay congruent in trying to honor God and obey God and do what we know pleases God based on what we read in the scripture and then make application in all these other decisions that we have? God did not decide for me to buy a Honda automobile, but I did. By buying a Honda automobile, there was nothing that violated my life as a Christian. I could take that same sum of money and I could – take a trip to Vegas, and I could go spend an hour, a day, a week in Vegas at the gambling tables. No, that's not congruent with what God wants. That's not congruent with pleasing God. Yes, gambling is a sin. It's a sin because of covetousness. We want something for nothing. We want this game of chance to reward us. That doesn't do anything to enhance us as humans. So says God. Mostly what all this means is that we take full responsibility for our lives and whatever the outcome that, that goes with that. That's where I find the practice of minimalism helpful because it is, it absolutely is a discipline of responsibility, individual responsibility where culture and other people don't impose on us some notion of fulfillment, some notion of happiness that by and large is steeped in material possessions living in this house, driving this car, owning these kinds of toys. And that component of the practice is very congruent with Christianity, which always 100% of the time places the focus on eternal over earthly and spiritual over material. Truth of the matter is self-discipline works. Okay. Well, real truth of the matter is no self-discipline that also works The problem with no self discipline is you don't want that paycheck. You think you do, but when you have to get that paycheck, you're not going to be happy with it. So just don't exercise any temperance in your life at all. Have no self discipline. Just do exactly what you want to do when you want to do it at all times and see how that works out. It's a wasted life. I view practical minimalism as an act of self discipline. It's a closer scrutiny of stuff. And it's absolutely an act of self-control. It's control over spending. It's control over possessing. It's control over shopping. It is control over covetousness. It is a control over desire. It is a control over want. It is a control over priorities. It is a control over indulgence. And as I said, it's completely congruent with striving to live a Christ-like life. In spite of the two simultaneous moves and the costs associated with that, we didn't answer, I know, the question, what is your stuff costing you? I would propose to you that for some of us who are steeped in chasing and pursuing, getting more and more and more and more and more, it's a never-ending game. We all know that. If we've lived any length of time at all, we already know that. We so badly want something, we chase it, we pursue it, we catch it, we buy it, and it's not long until our sights are set on something else, and we rinse and repeat, and we do it all over again. And What's your stuff costing you? It's costing us a lot of time, a lot of focus, a lot of energy, and what is it giving us in return? We need things. Don't get me wrong. We want things. But I've been working hard since I began to really talk about this to put some value on things based on their utility, based on their longevity. I bought bought a couple of shirts the other day, and I was looking back, and the last shirts that I bought which I still have and I still wear practically every week I bought in 2021 I don't know about you but two years for me two years isn't long for shirts 10 years is (laughs) and I've talked about how much I spend on clothes and of course anybody that looks at me goes well yeah like we couldn't tell like we couldn't tell that you're not a horse a, a clothes horse But it's about utility. It's about value. Yeah, okay. I know that a lot of minimalism folks talk about, you know, what joy does it bring to you? And I just, it's just, I don't throw rocks at that. That's just not my. It's not my viewpoint. But my Ballard Street prints that I've had for well over fifteen years. Uh, Do they bring me some joy? No question. They've got high utility for me in that regard, because when I'm in the yellow studio and I see them hanging on the wall, they're a bit of a muse. I don't know what the barometer is that you want to use. That's for you to decide, but, and it's also for you to answer the question, what is your stuff costing you? It's costing you something and just something more than the money that's spent to acquire that thing. It's just food for thought. LeaningTowardWisdom.com toward is the website the name of the podcast modern tales of an ancient pursuit my name is randy cantrell greetings and welcome inside the yellow studio